Maybe at work? In the car? Wherever you are. Geocache Talk podcast is sponsored by FTF Magazine. FTF Magazine can be found at ftfgeocacher.com and by IB Geocaching Supplies. The best site for geocoins, cache containers, and much more can be found at ibgeocaching.com and by Cashly. Cashly is the foremost geocaching app and can be found at cashly.com. Please make sure and let these fine sponsors know that you appreciate their support of the show. Hey, everyone. Time for the Podcast of Hope, hour number four. Whether you're at work, in the car, wherever you are, we hope you enjoy this special holiday show. Please give it a like and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn Radio, Google Play. You get to all the weekly geocache talk goodness. This year, the Podcast of Hope selected St. Jude's again as its charity, St. Jude's life-saving mission. Of finding cures for children's battle, children battling cancer and other life-threatening diseases. Need your help to re- reach our goal of $2,000 before the end of this special eight-hour all-star podcast. If you'd like to be a part, head on over to our event page, events.stjude.org forward slash podcast of hope. And uh, we're going to get an update. Um, Jesse, when you get a chance, give us an update on where we're at. We are currently at 27% of our goal, which is $550 of the 2000 we need to get to. So we need to keep stepping it up, keep bringing it uh, higher and higher, or we're going to be falling behind, and then we're going to be really screaming at people towards the end. So we don't want to have to do that. Right. <laughs> no, but we're doing good. And $550, that's great. And, and thanks to, to the audience and the people that are listening or that are just checking in and out when they can. That's you know that's really important that we're we're able to to get some money pulled together like that. That is really that is really awesome. Um, and thanks to donors like you, families never receive a bill from St. Jude uh, for treatment, travel, housing, or food because all a family should really worry about is the uh, their child alive. Treatments in, invented by St. Jude have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from twenty percent up to more than eighty percent since it opened more than 50 years ago. So join us. Together we can help St. Jude change the world. And let's jump right into this show. And once again, uh, uh, welcome, Daryl, to the show. Hey, good to be back. Back for another hour. Uh, This hour is going to be interesting. We're going to talk about the other games. And um, we're going to talk about... Uh, some of the other games that we, uh, other geolocation games. And um, we're going to start with Munzee. Uh, we're going to come back and talk about Wallaby, which um, Susan, you're going to be surprised. I'll go, go find these. But um, Daryl says he's done, how many, Daryl? He's done at least four Wallaby shows, you think? Yeah, I believe so on uh, Geo Gearheads. Yeah. Uh, at least one of them was like a three hour long special. 
Oh, wow. So she's pretty fired up about that because we're going to talk about Wallaby because I, I think a lot of people um, who haven't heard about Wallaby are kind of scratching their head going, what is this and why is it, what is it, what do I care about it? But uh, I think Wallaby Well, until pretty- last year, it was only for iOS. Oh, they only okay. came out the uh, Android app that came out uh, about this time last year. Really uh, expanded. We'll talk a little bit about Garfield Go. I actually downloaded it the other day and have uh, played with it a little bit. And then, of course, Sydney's. You, uh, we'll talk about Ingress, too, because we get an update on Ingress from, from Daryl. But Pokemon Go is what we're going to wrap up with. And, of course, that's something that Sydney is just fired up about. So let's start with Munzee. Um, you know, it's funny. Munzee is something that I think a lot of geocachers uh, either – they fall in a couple different camps. One is um, they like the Munzee some of the time, you know, they're obviously maybe geocaching first and Munzeeing some of the time. And then there's a few people out there that um, not fans of Munzee or any other game. Uh, they want to strictly stay purists, I guess, in the geocaching side. Um, as far as Munzee goes, um, Daryl, uh, and we've done show. We've all, you guys have done shows. We've done some shows about coexisting with Munzee. But what is something about Munzee that you would want to say or mention to somebody who's a geocacher, who is sort of on the outside, either doesn't have, maybe they haven't formulated an opinion about Munzee. What would you say to somebody about Munzee? Well, Munzee, when it started out, yes, it was very much like geocaching. It is changed in the last uh ooh, what seven years i guess that it's actually been uh, out there and at this point it's something that i really enjoy mostly when i can't go caching so for example i was at disneyland and did uh, th- uh probably thousands of blast capture or thousands right. of virtual caches with the uh, blast captures and it was something to keep me occupied and uh, have some fun while I'm in line at uh, Disneyland and, you know, not wanting to uh, just stand around and go, ooh, that's a cool hidden Mickey over there. <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's a lot to be said, uh, I think, about things like that where there's no, in that case, there is no geocaching. There may be one virtual, but there's not going to be any physical caches there. But yet with Munzee... I don't know. Uh, do they allow physical Munzees inside of Disneyland, or is it all pretty much all virtual too? Probably not. Uh, there are a couple of uh, physicals supposedly in like the downtown Disney area. However, you know they're going to get painted over or something because they're not really legit. Okay. Uh, there's, not actually, there's not actually a review process. Correct. So you someone place can just it put in one there, and you know there's not really a big say into it yeah. as if it can or can't be there. Yeah, but it has undergone a lot of changes. Uh, things like the NFC Munzees that were available for a while are you know, now grandfathered. I don't think you're even allowed to place them anymore. Uh, so those are gone. They've changed a lot of the stuff. You now have like uh, the Z-Ops. You have these uh, weird mythical creatures that bounce around and give you special points. They have special events like on the Back to the Future Day. They had uh, the, uh, hoverboards yeah, the, the hoverboards flying around the map. So it, it, there's a lot going on with it, more than you can get 
with a physical geocache kind of situation because you can't have a hoverboard flying between caches. You know, it, it is a connected game. It's almost the bridge between the uh, geocaching with its physical entities and the AR games like uh, you know Garfield Go, uh, which we'll talk about in Ingress and Pokemon Go. So it's kind of that gap game in between at this point. Yeah, it's you know something that um, I think is interesting about the new types uh, coming out all the time. The latest one was the Cyclops that that came out. You know, uh, one thing that I think is interesting is the fact that they have added all the mythologicals and um, something that Susan was doing quite a bit. Uh, there's not even and there's a badge. It seems like for everything. But you were on a streak there for a while of mythologicals you were finding. I thought that was. I even found one today. So. Oh, there you go. And my Pegasus has been found twice today. So. <laughs> you can, and that's the other thing that's kind of cool is you can own, you can own something that travels the world, um, which I think is kind of interesting. And, and now there's there's all these extra websites you can go to, and. There's the one that um, I like, which is Munzee spelled backward dot co dot uk. You can track your own own your own mythologicals that you own, mm-hmm. and I think that's interesting. Is you can, wherever wherever you you know wherever it is in the world, it will tell you where it is. So I find that an interesting um, aspect of it. Yeah, and sometimes you know it will not be found because you know it's night there, and so nobody's going to get up out of bed right. and come find your mythology. Although the other day mm-hmm. there was one of these those obscure gnome leprechauns that was hit hit our little town, and so I jumped in the car and ran out there and got it. And that's something that you know in, in areas like where I live, Daryl, the fact that um, can't really necessarily get any new geocaches uh, that often because either I own them all or I found them all. There's not really anybody in our area that puts out a lot of geocaches, but we do have people in town that Munzee and there seems like to always to be another Munzee that pops into town. So it, I think it fills, it, it, the way I kind of think about it or, or the way I try to explain to people is it fills a gap that uh, I, I think that is a, it's, Gap filler, like you're talking about, Daryl, where there's areas that either don't have geocaches or you found all the geocaches in that area. Um, and so, and it's, it, it, it kind of has its own rewards in, in its own way. Well, and going back to the uh, mythicals, one of the things I like about the mythicals is it gives it a revisitability that you never have in geocaching. If it's a geocache, you never go back to it after you found it that first time. Maybe you go back and you drop off some trackables or take someone else to it, but you don't really get anything for doing that. With Munzee, they've kind of addressed that ability of what, or that question of what do you do when you found all of the Munzees or geocaches or whatever in your area? Now you have these mythicals that will bounce around and give you something else to capture in the process. And, and it's like a first-to-find hunt every time you go out because now it's the first person to get there gets it and only one person gets it. There's never a question right. of who was first. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about Munzees yeah. is virtual or physical Munzees, yeah. you can 
place them so much closer together than geocaches. And whereas we only have, I don't know, one or two in our area that we have not found that we save for if we need to go. I started geocaching, I mean, Munzeeing, April 25th, and I found one every day since then. And I looked on our local calendar, streak, yep. and I can still go about 100 days without telling Gary, you have to go deploy a Munzee so I can cap it because I'm trying to get, go for my year streak. So, but, and it's, I don't know if you mentioned or not, but mm. it's scanning either. Yeah, the QR virtual, code. Virtual, yeah, yeah QR codes with yeah. your, with a phone app. You know, that's something that, um, I don't know if there's a way to incorporate. Well, again, we, we've talked about this before on other shows, on our other coexist shows, the fact that they don't, it's a completely different thing from, from geocaching, but I think it would be kind of cool if um, geocaching was able to somehow incorporate QR codes because you would sort of eliminate uh, the idea about well, did you really find it? Did you really sign the log? Do I need to go take a look and see if you signed the log? Or are you just kind of armchairing? You can't really armchair a physical Munzee. I mean, after the game, but you, you can part, actually. Uh, that used to be a big problem way back in the day. If you're determined enough, there are ways to cheat the systems. Uh, yeah, I want to say for the first six months, they didn't even think about it. And then they had a couple of players who had figured out the system and how to uh, armchair all of the uh, 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 QR codes that they found in a certain area uh, just by looking at the website. So they did come up with some ways to uh, do that and fix it up. Uh, so it's harder, but yeah, you, you, you still, you still can, cheat <laughs> right you can cheat in any game though there's no way yeah. to stop people from cheating exactly but as for the um uh, geocaching and qr codes that is something that a lot of the uh, third-party listing sites have done or i shouldn't say third party but alternate maybe uh, geocaching.com had played with the geocaching challenges which were a huge failure and that was going to be part of that uh, uh system but on these alternate sites, they actually had, uh, you might remember Garmin's Open Caching had the, uh, uh, they didn't call them bitlinks. They, uh, they, I can't remember yeah, what they called it. I remember but those. you could actually scan it with the uh, uh, GPSRs that had the QR code to verify your find. And that's all it was, was a verify your find. Um, but it, it's out there, uh, you know, the Open Caching network does have the uh, QR codes as an option but as far as i know no one's really doing it like munzee does because munzee is its own thing and it's unique and there's qr codes in a lot of caches but that's just what the user has done it's not what geocaching.com has done sure. so, i mean there's you see those out there all over the place yeah and there's qr puzzles out there i've done a couple of them where you have to have the uh, qr reader and it will give you information to get to the next location Sometimes it's a clue to a puzzle. Sometimes it's actually just the text of the coordinates that go in there. I had so there's a, kinds of ways to use QR yeah, codes outside of you know. I think Jesse and I, Jesse, if you recall, I think we did one. Yeah, we Tyler, did some. Tyler, yeah, where you you mm -hmm. would you scan a QR code, it would give you information for the for the next puzzle for the next part of the puzzle. So we we did some of those. Yeah, those were 
those are fun. There's a lot of things you can do too with, you can incorporate QR into geocaching a lot. I had a puzzle that you had to have a sheet of graph paper and the clues filled, uh, helped you fill in what little blocks to darken in the graph paper. Turns out you can scan, you can fill in from graph paper and scan it as a QR code still. So there's oh, a lot of things you can do with it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the QR codes uh, are more accessible now than ever, but you'll find them all over the place. So it, it blends in fairly nicely. And that's one of the reasons that Munzies are so available is you'll find them on the back of like signs and people aren't going to disturb them because they're assuming it's supposed to be there. I would uh, go ahead. I was going to say, we just had a quick update. I want to make a note. Uh, we were talking about earlier about the link to the donation page. Uh, we did add that to the YouTube video description. Thank you. Guys. Good update on our giving. Yeah. Or? Yeah. So we're currently at 28%. So we're $570. Um, it'd be nice really soon if we could get to that one third mark. That would keep us on pace, so we're doing good. And Zach did bring up uh, that we were ahead of last year at the same time, so we're doing good. We just got to keep pushing because we raised our own goal this year. So we doubled our goal for what we're shooting for. So that's um, – we definitely have to just keep pushing. It's a great cause. It's worth pushing for. So, Well, let's uh, – go ahead. Somebody say something. Yeah, so – Munzee, one thing I wish Munzee would add, and not, this is not a negative thing, it's just one more ask because they're always adding new things to it. True. If to get, you know, uh, the the me crowd, the crazy crowd, if there was any kind of terrain bonus, I would be so happy. If they would add a terrain, because like in my area, that's where everything is, right, is up in the mountains. Right. If they could add that, that would be so, so cool. But we'll and see. I don't think we're going to see that because it was one of those early suggestions. Mm-hmm. And they really didn't want the insane ones so much because it was supposed to be uh, you're more easy, you know, going here and there. You know, this is in the days of uh, Gowalla and Foursquare. And it was supposed mm-hmm. to really have been more an improvement on those where you could have a game that's physical elements in the real world. I don't think they even knew about geocaching. If I remember when they actually launched Munzee at first, that's funny. Yeah. So it it was, I think they might've known it existed, but they didn't know anything about it. I don't think it was until Rob started with them that uh, they actually really had geocacher influence. Correct. Yeah, I did actually find one of them out, geocaching. Oh, cool. They do have them up there. Joshua hid one in a crazy mountain environment, and I happened to go up there and be first to find one. Yeah. Or well, first one, of the, uh, one of the early uh, Munzee hides in uh, uh, this area, uh, it's actually not that close, but was at uh, uh, Midwest Geobash. It was in a tree, supposedly. But there was no way to get into the tree easily, so we're not sure it was actually supposedly up there. But that caused a lot of problems, and it's one of the reasons why they didn't want to do the uh, terrain ratings is they didn't want to encourage those highs that uh, you couldn't get without special equipment. Mm. Well, let's, um, speaking of Go Walla, let's switch gears a little bit and talk uh, a moment about Wallaby. 
Um, Wallaby, Susan and I are now familiar, quite familiar with Wallaby, but uh, we weren't familiar with it until uh, the bash this year. But for people that aren't uh, familiar with Wallaby, um, it is a, this is another game uh, that I find to fill a gap. And that is I can play Wallaby while sitting on my couch watching TV, which I can't do with Munzee and I can't do with geocaching. So for me, it's the third game that kind of fits perfectly in for me because I can sit and forage from now. Not everybody probably can forage. Well, everybody can forage a little bit. But the idea behind Wallaby is you're completing sets. It's a set completion game. Complete a set, um, you need to, um, well, first get the, the, the different cards for the set. But if you wanted to buy a card, you need Honeycomb. And to get Honeycomb, you forage like a bee. And so you forage in various places, and that's where the geolocation part comes because you can go to different places in town and I guarantee you that you drive somewhere not too far and you're going to find that there's a place to forage. So um, in essence, that's what Wallaby uh, started or that's what Wallaby is nowadays, I guess. But um, Daryl, what is, what is your experience with Wallaby? And I'm going to ask everybody, uh, well, I know Susan's a big, she loves Wallaby. What was your first experience with Wallaby and talk a little bit about that? Well, Wallaby for me started within, I think, eight months of their uh, launch wow. through uh, another geocacher. And it was uh, another one of those uh, new games that we covered on Geo Gearheads. So we had the creators on the show, talked with them a little bit, but it actually came from uh, the developer at the time, uh, uh, ben Dodson uh, created Wallaby as an addition to Gowalla. Then when Gowalla shut down, he took it uh, and evolved Wallaby into the game that it uh, became as a game. It was no longer an add-on surface. It was a standalone game with the card collecting sets and such. Uh, and at that point, it was mostly uh, location-based. So you'd have to go into the real world. You'd have to forge, collect the cards, uh, put them in the sets. And that was really all it was. Then they added the trading. Then they added the, you know, all this, this other stuff. Uh, and eventually it got too popular and too insane. And this was not his primary job. This was his uh, side gig while he did coding for other people. Uh, the rest of the team was in the same kind of situation. This was their sidekick, and it was taking up every moment of the free time. It was taking up every ounce of the uh, revenue that they could bring in to keep the servers running, and they had to keep upgrading the servers. So they announced they were going to shut it down. Rob over at Munzee said, no, you cannot shut this down. This is too much fun. We have to keep it going. So he actually acquired it brought it in-house. Uh, ben stayed on for like a year or so to help them with the process, and now he's out of the process. But they are still using the same artist. Oh, okay. And that's one of the really cool things is the artwork is amazing. And you can yes. see the evolution because when they first started, it was on the iPhone 4. Oh, wow. So those early cards are much lower resolution than the newer cards are. When the Retina display came out, they doubled the resolution of the cards, the artwork for the cards. 
you know, it, it, it's one of those you can see kind of the progression in the way stuff works. But because they still are having issues with all of this old code and they're trying to uh, get it fixed up, now you're not forging so much for the new cards as buying them in the market because the forging has a very heavy server load that they haven't been able to address yet. You know, they've, they've made some improvements, but it's still not working the way it should. There's um, there's new sets. There's just a new set that came out uh, just yes, I think it was yesterday or the day before. So they add yep. they add sets. Well, they they add they don't add all the cards. They add a set and then they leave them. They sort of start adding cards to those sets. And so um, you know you can do that. But what's interesting is there's unique items, but there's also um, the other kind branded of branded items and unique yep. items. Now what's interesting is. Um, if you go, well, and you um, have your actual sets too. So there's, yeah. there's, it, it gets really crazy to try to learn how to do it because it is so many uh, different types of sets and you get into the mixing, which we haven't even talked about yet, where you have to actually take two cards or three cards or four cards, mix those together to get a different card. Which is a very cool concept. There's one that is, is a, so cool. yeah, well, there's one that's a, mixed up Rubik's cube. And if you add the brain to the mixed up Rubik's cube, all of a sudden you get a completed Rubik's cube. So there's a lot of cool things they do. I mean, we are not gonna have time tonight to talk about each one, but um, one of the things I did want to point out though, is there is a unique item. Let me, Oh, here it is. And there's the unique item. And Oh, it's. That was so for the, uh, the geo gearheads, gearheads 84. Five, I think, is when we actually had done that one. But it was uh, done for the uh, uh, episode, and we were giving those away. There's only, I think, about 27,000 of those. But you'll find them all over the world in various locations. And one of the cool things with Wallaby, again, going back to the uh, uh, Gowalla roots, is you go to each of these places to forge, but you can also drop stuff there for other people to find. You can also just recycle the item, which throws it out in the ether. Most of the time when you recycle the item, it's going to go into one of these places. And those places could be right next door to you. It could be halfway around the world. It just goes anywhere. So you'll recycle these. And a lot of people, they used to, back in the old days, be an app called Wallabounce. So when you recycled something, you jump over to this other app, Put in that information and see where it ended up. Where it ended up. That's a cool and idea. People loved doing it. They would actually go into this uh, market, buy this cheap junk just to recycle it. Just and there were like snowflakes that were always one honeycomb. And they just did that constantly. <laughs> so there were all of these snowflakes all over the world. Um, there, There's a lot of cool things. Again, we don't have time tonight to talk about all the, the cool wallaby things that are out there, but uh, there are a lot of insane wallabiers. Uh, we met some at Bash, and uh, they are they are fired up about wallaby. I mean, they're 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 looking for well, pretty much. Uh, if you finish all the sets, the next thing you do is try to find lower numbered cards. And there's people that they collect like the four 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 number of every card. And so uh, I'm sure Daryl, you've had some where they're like. Hey, I'll trade you a lower number if you would give me your 444 number. And so you're like, sure, I'll give you your, I don't care. And so they'll give you a lower number than 444. 
but they want their number. And so they're like out there trying to find all those numbers. So, I mean, there's, there's games within the game of Wallaby. I think that uh, Hmm. give people something else to kind of do within Wallaby. And so there's, but it's fun. There's, there's, um, I don't know. What's your favorite thing about Wallaby? Do you think? Well, um, I like the fact that there's more than just, just trying to collect sets. There's other achievements that yeah. you can go for, like spending the most honeycomb in the store. You know, if, yeah. you, if you spend a hundred thousand honeycomb in the store, you get an achievement. achievement. Or origins, a certain number of recreation places, you get an achievement. Yep. And uh, sometimes you run across a a. Uh, an insane wallaby or who decides that they've done all their stuff so they want to help you With find yours. complete the rest of your sets right. and they find out everything that you still need and they go and help They'll you, trade you they help you find yeah. uh, the cards that you need and um i think it's amazing that they can keep up with all of their stuff and my stuff too right um <laughs> Well, and one thing I'll uh, oh, uh, say before yeah. we go, yeah, but before we go even into that, we didn't really get into the numbers, but it is a serial number that's created for each of those cards. So typically, you want the lowest serial number that you can get. Oh, I was going to ask you about that too. When you first uh, got your special item, did they give you like the first hundred numbers, or was there a certain no. thing they did? Or the way uniques work is there's a special website that you use to gift the uh, to create and gift the uh, uh, actual cards to people. Hmm. So you put in their name and hit the send button and it sends it to them. And what we had done was the first one went to Chris, my co-host. The second one went to me. Then on the show, we had people send in the uh, uh, you know, names and we just went down the list and so 127 or whatever it was went out during the show. I think it was <laughs> cool. to those people. Uh, but it is a one-on-one thing. Uh, getting back to the numbers though, you go into like item browser and it item will tell you yep. what your average number is. So everyone's always in, you know, I, I got to get my average down below 500, you know, it's <laughs> got to get my average down below 200, whatever it is. And there's always pride in, the single digit items, which they just usually call SDs, the uh, uh, low double digits are really, really popular, of course. Any double digits are good, which, you know, DDs. But almost everyone at this point is doing triple digits because there's thousands of people playing. So if you get a triple digit, you're pretty lucky and those go pretty quickly. Uh, but the item browser also will have the recipes That's and it will key. tell you how to put them together. So you really need to hit up item browser if you are new and learn all about that. Uh, but item browser used to be third party and it's now been acquired by, uh, uh, well, it's now freeze tag, but it used to be, Mun- you know, Munzee. So it's, it's all part of the same family. Itembrowser.com is, is, is nice because if you don't know, and this is another cool thing I think on itembrowser.com that, uh, uh, fact that there's times when you have, you have a pouch cause it's wall of B. So, Sometimes you're a bee and sometimes you're a, a, a wall, you're a, like a kangaroo, you know, but you have a pouch. Well, sometimes in your pouch, it'll say, oh, your mix is your mix light. Your mix light will come on. And you're like, what is it I can mix together? I don't see it. I mean, it's not like 
mixers, which you can get mixers, and they're they're obviously you can mix two mixers together. But the cool thing about iBrowse.com, you go out there and you can look on your page and go, and you can go, what is it that I can mix together based on my pouch? And it'll tell you. Oh, you can mix the unsolved Rubik's Cube with Brain, if you didn't know that. And, and you're like, oh, I didn't know that. So itembrowser.com is a nice little addition to the game that kind of gives you uh, items that uh, you didn't realize. Yeah, it's your cheat sheet. And you mentioned those mixers. Uh, and the way the mixers work is they, they look like orange cement mixers like you'd find on a construction site. And the funny thing about that was uh, they had actually created that artwork for a set that never got released. Oh, oh And crazy. he decided, you know, this, this has been decided that uh, since they had something that was going on, I don't remember what it was, he was going to make it so that you could get those mixers, mix two of them together, and get some random item. You never knew what that item was going to be. Eventually, yeah. they had to start getting rid of uh, some of the accounts and some of the... Uh, uh, places and all of those items get dropped now into a mixer pool. So you can get some really good low items out of the mixer pool. And that's also listed over at item browser. You can see how many like number ones are in the uh, mixing pool and people keep track of that and they will start buying up those uh, mixers like crazy when it comes to uh, time to get some of those low digit items. Cause I've gotten like single and double digit items out of the mixer pool from the early days. And Wallaby has changed so much that a lot of people are leaving the game. They just don't want to play anymore because it's not the kind of game that they like. Uh, item browser also will let you fix items you are missing. Start that to include cards from sets. Yeah. And you can also sort it alphabetically if you want to or you can sort so if you're in the store it really helps you know oh i need that item from that set so i can buy it because items in the store are only up for sale for a little bit and yep. then they disappear um, it can really help you that way sure. and that's uh, one of the things that gets a lot of people confused too is that there's a store in the market one is you sell stuff so if i have uh like a number two that i just got and I still had the number 200. Well, that 200 is still worth something to someone. So I can swap it out, take my 200, put it in the market, sell it, and get some of my honeycomb back. And there's a whole economy to this game. So it's, it's a really complex game. At this point, it's not really location-based as much as it used to be. But it is a, a fun game. And like Renee is really into this because she loves the artwork. And it's um, the fun of collecting and trading. And you trade, you collect, you know, it, it's a lot of fun to uh, play with, but it is totally different. If you were at all into trading cards, if you're in the, into magic or something like that, it's worth trying out because it is going to be a game that you're probably going to understand, even though it's going to take you some time to figure it out. Um, well, um, uh, another uh, game that is owned by... Freeze Tag now that Freeze Tag owns is Garfield Go. And we really want to have a lot of time tonight to talk about Garfield Go, uh, other than it's very similar to Pokemon Go in some aspects, which we're about to talk about. But before we talk about Pokemon Go, we want to talk about the predecessor to Pokemon Go, which I don't know what the, the latest is on it, but Daryl, I'm sure you do. What is the latest on Ingress? 
Well, Ingress is still going strong. Uh, they took a big hit after Pokemon Go came out because a lot of the players, like myself, shifted their primary uh, uh, you know, AR uh, gaming to Pokemon Go. But it's a very different game. It's two teams basically playing an endless game of Capture the Flag. <laughs> the but there is so the much more to it. The Resistance and the Enlightened. Yeah. And uh-huh. next year, we are told that it's going to be a complete overhaul. Oh. And they're taking the uh, uh, things that they've learned from Pokemon Go and bringing it back into Ingress. But Ingress has this huge involved storyline that you really need to get into if you're going to be playing seriously. If you don't, you can still play, but you got to hook up with uh, some of the other players in your area. There's a lot of fun to be had just going out and uh, doing raids and this kind of thing uh, where you're you know, going through town and taking out uh, enemies' uh, portals and converting them. It, it is a blast, but you really do need to connect with the other players because it's not a game that you really can play on your own. Is it still, I mean, pretty much all these, this outside of geocaching, is Ingress still fall into that category of if you're in a fairly urban setting, you're going to be able to play it pretty much without an issue versus in a small town in a rural area or rural type area are you playing Ingress much or yeah and this has been one of the big complaints is that ingress uh has all these portals that you have to use if you are out in bfe yeah you're not going to have portals the churches are portals uh it used to be the post offices and fire stations were police stations but those mostly got pulled out because of uh security type issues with them. Uh, But the interesting thing is those uh, portals in Ingress are what populated the initial Pokemon Go database for the gyms and the Pokestops. So a lot of the stuff that you'll see in Pokemon Go, as far as the gyms and the Pokestops, are the Ingress portals. So if you know where those are in one game, chances are they're going to be in the other. So speaking of... Let's switch gears for the rest of, of, of this hour to something that I don't know, pretty safe in saying that I don't think anybody saw the wave of interest or the mania. Uh, I guess some people may have seen part of that, uh, Daryl and Sydney, but Pokemon Go, I think, exceeded even their expectations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Niantic had no concept of how popular it was going to be at launch. In fact, the first two weeks, people couldn't even log in because there's so many people playing. Yeah, so many server problems. And the game was not really ready when it launched. They wanted to get it probably. Yeah, they they had a deadline, I'm sure. But it was a functional game that had most of it in there. But a lot of the stuff that they had teased and promised in the uh, announcements never made it into the final version. And some of those things like trading still aren't available. They have completely changed the way some of the stuff has worked. Just in the last, even like six months, we've seen big changes. In the last 
three days. <laughs> well, in the last three days, we have more of the Pokemon available. But the gym system has been completely overhauled. So if you were playing before this summer, you definitely need to come back, give it a shot, see what's changed because it is so much different than what you had experienced previously. Absolutely. It's interesting uh, uh, the people that uh, we've got like Electric Waterboy, um, Head Hard Hat. There's some people that initially you would kind of go, these people? Pokemon, but they do. They love it. They're, um, you know, uh, always joke with Electric Water Boy because he, uh, he's not a he won't Munzee. Uh, his wife will Munzee, but he won't Munzee. But he will Pokemon Go. He loves that. And uh, so, um, of the of everybody on the show, obviously Sydney is our Pokemon Go fanatic. Uh, I think you could say and. Um, so for those that are still like Susan and I, I guess they're outside, we peer in and hear about all the things that are going on with Pokemon. What, um, what, what are some things about Pokemon Go that you'd want to mention to people to maybe get them to tip their, put their toe in the water of Pokemon? Um, well, so why do you like it so much? Is, you know... Personally for me, it's because I played the video games when I was little. Right. So, so when I was in elementary school, I remember taking my little Game Boy Color to school and battling my friends during lunch. So that's why I guess it kind of brings back those memories. Sure. And now I can actually like go out and out like outside and catch them instead of playing on my little Game Boy or whatever. So that's why I was I was really interested. I know that there's a lot of people that are around my age that grew up playing the games or doing the trading cards or watching the TV show, and that's why they like Pokemon Go so much. Well, and so I whole, have that like connection through my whole past yeah. of it. And, and Daryl, the whole aspect that I think was another appeal to people that maybe are a little bit older, maybe not fall into the category of being familiar with Pokemon, but they got attached to something that I think has, is, uh, was really cutting edge, which was the AR portion of it. I mean, the fact that you see what you're looking at or you can see this Pokemon, you know, on your refrigerator sitting on top of it. I mean, is there, I mean, there's something A lot about... of it was that uh, novelty. Yeah. But most of the people I know who play Pokemon Go turn off the AR almost immediately. Really? Interesting. Yeah. What really I think is different about Pokemon Go than anything else is it is multifaceted. You have that trading. Well, you don't have the trading. You have that uh, collection uh, aspect that you have from a game like Wallaby. You have to catch them all. You got to get one of every single Pokemon. You have the evolution where you have to upgrade uh, one Pokemon into another Pokemon. You have to hatch, which you get from walking. So it's encouraging you to go out and uh, walk. And one of the interesting uh, tidbits when the game initially launched, there were animal shelters encouraging Pokemon Go players to come and borrow a dog <laughs> to walk the dog while you're playing Pokemon Go. It, it was an interesting tie-in that worked well for some, didn't work well for others. Uh, and it has that location aspect where you have to go to these locations. Uh, in the gyms, you'd have battles that you had to uh, engage in. 
So you had all of these different aspects that just kind of came together and gave a lot of people something to really enjoy. Yeah, I obviously like that uh, collection aspect of it where I have to go out and try to collect them. And it's all about, you know, can I uh, get all of these uh, Pokemon? Other people, it's Mm -hmm. all about dominating the gyms. They want to keep all the gyms. They, you know, so the minute it changes color, they go out and they, you know, fight at the gym and try to take it back. Kind of the ingress aspect of it. They're, they, if the exactly that, the, the, the gym uh, hoarders would probably love ingress versus uh, the ones that are trying to collect all of them would be, could could kind of uh, uh, the wallaby deal, uh, or there would be a crossover, I guess. If you're a wallaby person, you like the idea that you could, especially if there's, uh, if it's, if I'm correct, that this past Friday, 50. There's 50 new ones out there now. Is that right, Sydney? That's correct. Just this past Friday, which people have been waiting almost a year for. So they're all excited now because everybody had, a lot of people had found everything already. And so they're like, well, we need something new to do. And so it was a a big, exciting thing for me because I had pretty much found everything. And now it's just the exciting thing of, you know, there's, so when you don't, you haven't caught Pokemon yet, it just shows up as a little shadow and you don't necessarily know what it is unless you know what the shadow looks like. So that's like, oh, this, this one's a shadow. That means I don't have it yet. So you run down the street and you go and catch it. (laughs) And basically every year they're adding another generation. So that way the game isn't going to get stale. And of course they're still working on the gameplay. But the other thing that we haven't mentioned uh, about the Pokemon themselves is some of those are the legendaries, which you can't get just by catching or hatching. But there's also some that are regional. So you can only find those Pokemon if you're in like Europe or Asia or the U.S. So there's some of them that typically you can't get unless you travel. However, what was it about a month ago, Sydney, uh, that they came out with the uh, Farfetch'd? Uh, that was about two weeks ago. They two, did a okay. uh, two or three weeks ago. I can't remember. They did a special event where they had different tiers where in the whole world, if everyone in the whole world that plays caught 300 billion Pokemon in, what was it, a week, then they would release this special, what they call regional Pokemon that's only available in uh, Asia. That one was Europe, I thought, but you might be right. I think it's Asia because it's it's this cute little bird and he has a little green onion that he carries around and he swings around to try and it's his weapon. It. Yeah, it's really adorable. He's yeah. he's well, and in that region you could get I think it was the Taurus, which is only available in uh, North America. Mm-hmm. So they but they do have all of these game events happening constantly. I shouldn't say constantly, but it seems like they're always happening. You know, there's ones for Halloween where the spooky Pokemons come out. That's where Pokemon, Pokemon, that Pokemons. Uh, that's where the uh, uh, Gen 2 were released was around Halloween uh, when they had a bunch of those uh, come out. But they only released a small portion. I think they did that again this year with some of the uh, Generation 3s came out uh, for like Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. But they they have, released, I think, five ghosts. At Halloween from generation what they call generation three and now um so you got those little spooky ones ahead of time and that was kind of like a preview and then they did 
50 this past Friday, and I think there's another 80 maybe that they're, they're planning to stagger a release like over the next month, I believe. And that would be the rest of what they call this third generation. There's like seven generations of so, Pokemon. So still owned by Niantic, is that correct? Yep. Well, Niantic owns uh, Pokemon Go, and it's a joint venture with the Pokemon Company. Sure. Pokemon is partially owned by Nintendo, which is how people get confused. But Pokemon right. is its own entity. But this is a licensed uh, game. It is not run by Pokemon. It is its own entity. Yeah, it was, right. was... But they still have to take like advice. Like they Absolutely. can't stray off the path and create something totally new because the Pokemon company would say, no, 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 can't do that. Well, and they don't want to do that because it'll alienate so much of the uh, fan base for the game. But this is the most popular um, location-based game out there. Now, Even was now. There, it, was, was there some issue that came up uh, that... Remember, uh, Cindy, you were tweeting some about trying to get something fixed. Is there still a major issue with Pokemon? Oh, yes. So, um, Pokemon Go, Niantic, uh, they created a little, basically it looks like a fitness tracker uh, that you can connect with your phone. And um, it'll it'll basically count, like when Daryl has one right there. Um, It's called the Go Plus, Pokemon Go Plus. So it connects to Bluetooth to your phone. And it, it'll keep track of your steps, and it'll also alert you when there's a Pokemon nearby or when there's a Pokestop or a gym nearby. And you can click the little button on there, and it'll either catch the Pokemon for you, well, try to catch the Pokemon, or it'll spin the Pokestop to give you your items. But when iOS 11 came out, the Pokemon Go Plus basically broke. It... Uh, I don't know, there's major connection issues. You have to press the button three or four times before it'll recognize anything. And unfortunately, there's been basically <coughs> no communication from Niantic saying that they're working on it or what the issue is. They just, on their website, it just says, like, investigating this issue. And that was from two, three months ago. So that's why, and now everybody's kind of being forced to get iOS 11. Like, I got a new phone because it was my upgrade, and it said it had iOS 10, but no, 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 it has iOS 11. So I I paid $35 for this thing, and now it doesn't even work anymore. And yet they're... I mean, if you're going to put out a product to use with your game, you should support it, in my opinion. Like, you should keep up with the, the updates for it and the technology and everything, but... Well, I have noticed there have been some improvements and then like the next version will take a step back with it so at this point i i love the pokemon go plus before but right now i would not recommend anyone buy one i agree until they get it all worked out and well, even and, i heard there's issues with android as well so it's yes. not like you're it's not wow. yeah it's not ios 11 i don't believe it's actually they're trying to make some changes and one of the nice things with pokemon go plus was if you were on the bus you can sit here and hit the button and spin or catch Pokemon while you're riding along. If you're actually playing the game on the phone, there's a 25 mile an hour speed limit, basically. Mm-hmm. So at 25, it shuts down and you can't spin or and can't catch anything anymore. And I think they're trying to 
install some of that because people are probably you know creating problems uh, hitting the button while they're driving like like any of these kind of these uh, other games as they're trying to play it shouldn't be playing <laughs> right like doing, don't drive in Munzee or or wallaby or pokemon go or anything like that um last thoughts uh and then uh, take our break for the next next show well, i think I... Uh, oh, go ahead sorry one thing I like about some of these games like Wallaby, um, I've been sick and yesterday I went to the mall and sat in the mall parking lot and just for it, I needed to rest and I couldn't rest at home. Right. There was too much to do. And so some of these games you can do, don't feel like going out and geocaching, you could still Wallaby or maybe even Munzee. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I think we're going to see next year is more in the way of touring. Oh, yeah. This is something that's uh, really, at the end of this year, I'm starting to see more and more, so I think it's going to be a trend. Uh, we've seen, like, Detour, uh, Trapeze, and uh, Munzee's even coming out with, well, Freestag is coming out with their own tour-based thing called Z-Tours, which we just found about found out about on uh, Geo Gearheads this week. So I think that's going to be the new thing in location-based gaming is these tours. So keep an eye on that because that could be a lot of fun. And that's, that's actually kind of why I got into uh, geocaching in the first place was the uh, uh, guided tour concept. And now they're taking that to the next level. And we're going to start seeing some gaming happening around it. Well, very cool. Daryl, th thank you so much for, for the last two hours, actually. Uh, but th thank you so much for being on to talk ab uh, about the other games and um, for the holiday gadgets from the last hour. But, uh, again, we really appreciate you being on and being a part. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And let let's get a, a current uh, total before we run away. Uh, Jesse, you got that or you want me to? I do. So we are currently at 30% of our goal. Uh, $600, which means Sydney's going to be sharing some information. I am. If you're in the chat right now, I will put it in there for you to see. Ooh. Well, but yeah, um, so we, we've got some uh, uh, good donations in this hour, but not nearly enough. So let's get some more donations in before we wrap up. Exactly. Let's do that. I know Ceci Joshua has joined and, and Geocaching Katie is, is joining. So we'll start the next hour here in a moment. But thank everybody for being on. Uh, thank, thank you, Daryl and Susan, for being on this show. And we hope you enjoyed hour number four tonight. Uh, email us your comments uh, at geocachetalk at gmail.com. Please stick around. Uh, back in five minutes with the next hour of the Podcast of Hope. Thank you.